Welcome back to the Governor Show. And we're going to learn about the giants of Catalina Islands. I think. Elon Musk on leaving Tesla. He left Tesla. Eh? Hmm. Okay. So the giants Why of Catalina Islands. want this instant translator device banned in the U.S.? This okay. real-time translator skeleton in Avalon Bay with all these other artifacts and this black sand. Okay, there we go. The Giants of Catalina, Priestic Mysteries on California. Just California's. here with Jim and JJ Ainsworth, and we're just about to get on the Catalina Express because we're going to go over to Catalina Island, uh, spend the night there, and we're hopefully going to get access to Ralph Glidden's records and look for any evidence of giants while we're there. So we're just queuing up. We're just on the uh, the Long Beach uh, Marina. It's an hour ride on the boat. And then uh, we'll see what happens when we get there. Hopefully, we've got permission to look at these records because we know these photos. We saw them. Some of them, Jim, Jim and Bill did when they were filming Search for the Lost Giants. We wrote about the discoveries in our book, Giants on Record. So let's see what we find. I should support them. Good for them. The government ain't telling us nothing. The Catalina Island Museum. So we've just arrived in the Santa Catalina Island Museum. It's come over from Los Angeles, from Long Beach, and we're here to investigate the discoveries that have been made all over this island. These began in 1913 with Dr. A.W. Furstenen, where he discovered an over eight foot skeleton in Avalon Bay with all these other artifacts in this black sand area. And it was later um, researched by amateur archeologist, Ralph Glidden, who dug up thousands of skeletons and bones up to nine feet tall. And this is, this is the guy we have just here in the background. Now he's caused a lot of controversy because he made this really weird sort of skull and bone museum which you can see just up behind me there and uh so that didn't go down well with anybody pretty much and frankly all around the channel islands for about 150 years before that there were these giant remains that were found huge jaw bones over seven foot skeletons and the explorers encountered like seven foot tall shamans and chiefs so it all lines up you know that's what we're investigating we're the shamans who right here is talked about lived two, three hundred years and had these incredible magic powers, just like the Adena people and the native tribes uh, in different parts of the country. The, the tall ones are the um, the sorcerers and the magicians. There's even this video about him that they're showing. They're kind of, you know, kind of almost trying to discredit him, you know. And also here we have him with skulls. What? And this is actually when they discovered the famous urn, the soapstone urn. And this photo here is probably the most interesting because this has been analyzed by L.A. Mazzulli. And he suggests that this is an over eight foot skeleton sitting there in front of Ralph Glidden. 
just had a very intriguing conversation with um, one of the guys who works here called Mason. He's a Native American of Catalina Island. Uh, so this is remarkable. And he was telling me all these stories. We asked him many questions. We're going to have a discussion with him tomorrow, have a quick chat with him, um, see what we come up with. Because he heard legends from his tribe, from his family. And his great his grandmother was one of the last remaining full-blood Native Americans here on Catalina Island. They were telling him about this race of white giants, these fair-skinned, extremely tall people with beards who lived on this island. So this matches the traditions, the stories of the early Spanish chroniclers. My name is Mason Sanchez Lassos, and I'm part of the Tongva Gabrielino tribe who used to live here on Catalina Island, and there are currently nine of us still living here. Um, from what I know it's is that my tribe here on the island was um, a very religious group of people. They were known to hold um, multiple countless ceremonies for um, different villages up and down the coast of California and even uh, as far inland as Big Bear um, and even to um, neighboring tribes in different states. Um, they have a lot of different unique stories. One of them is um, being known as tree movers tree pushers they would go up to a tree and they put their hand on it and tell it to move and it would it would move for them they were very in tuned and uh connected with the land so against the wall here and behind the glass we have five different um what they call ceremonial plaques and each one has a different design um, one of them is pecked, miniature peck marks, and just a concentric circle, wavy lines, and an X. What this probably means is that, though there might have been one or two tribes on the island, this would have differentiated them between each other, saying we're part of this clan, part of this certain tribe. And above, up here, we have a sunstone. Um, which would have been very important because not just here on Catalina Island, but on other islands as well, these were used as sort of pointing to the axis of the island. And it would have maybe been used to show equinoxes and solstices. And over here we have a ceremonial sunstone um, made of stone, which is interesting. Otherwise, it wouldn't have survived. But even more interesting over here is this giant urn. So on the top of it is concentric circles with four openings on each side, maybe representing directions or the winds, which would have been related to some deity, but I'm not really sure. No one is. Here's some of the pictures. Um of, of Glidden's museum, many people would say, quote unquote, uh, he was kind of denigrated as a grave robber. And the unfortunate part is that he unearthed a lot of relics and human remains and, and didn't do it in a professional way. Ralph Glidden was an amateur archeologist who moved to Catalina in, um, about 1920, right a little bit after Mr. William Wrigley Jr. purchased the island, and Mr. William Wrigley Jr. gave him permission to go out into the interior and do some digging. Um, Mr. Ralph Glidden ended up digging over 801 Native American burials.
800 yeah, this picture was found by L.A. Marzulli in the records actually a couple of years ago. And this skeleton here appears unusually large with a very, very huge skull. There's a normal-sized skull right there. Anyways, Glidden had many accounts listed of uh, that we found in the records of over seven-foot skeletons. We found a 28-inch femur, now which is well over eight foot tall. He sensationalized a lot of what happened here, but at the same time, other explorers um, found over seven foot skeletons all around the Channel Islands. So, which kind of corroborates what he, what he uh, found as well. <clears throat> because of the dark chapter of Glidden's grave robbing, the, this whole idea of uh, giant chiefs, giant native people kind of got pushed aside and was looked at as just uh, a figment of his sensationalism which probably isn't the case. So that's why we're looking through the records here. He supposedly found a couple interesting burials. One of them was a burial of 64 children buried in a huge circle um, with a little girl in a stone urn right in the center of it. And he said he found a giant or a very tall person um, buried right next to it with a spear going through its chest. So this is the famous urn that was discovered in 1928 by Ralph Glidden. Um, it is beautifully decorated, made of soapstone, and Glidden reported that inside this so-called funerary urn was a skeleton of a young girl, a princess, clutching the vessel's edge. And a seven-foot-eight guardian skeleton was there as well. So this was the, the uh, pot that was found at the guardian. site. The skeletal remains were repatriated, um, but this is what's left of that fine wiggle and claim to have unearthed a seven foot eight skeleton. The date of this is unknown, but it could be many thousands of years old. And you can see the report, we'll put this up on the screen. The results strongly support that these beings Dad, are cool. not closely related to any known organism on Earth. He was able to detect yeah, the fetus of some creature. It is not human. We will piece together the ascension teachings and disclosure of extraterrestrial beings by the Essenes. We will go beyond what you have read in history books. We will cover races that influence humanity since Lemuria and Atlantis, and the great war that took place in our galaxy. All the military branches have covert military space program operations. A frisbee came in, plowed into his palm tree with a disc mm -hmm. at Fort Gordon, Georgia. I slipped on one of the pieces of debris in my boot. The U.S. economy launders $500 billion to a trillion dollars. $21 trillion is missing. And you're able to predict it, then you have a precognitive ability. I do think that there's a non-human intelligence. There's a lot more going on. I just mentioned that the in the Pentagon briefing, by the way. The of magic. Our job, while we're it here, is to, out is to wake podcast. up. I just did. Crashing the Pentagon briefing. I prefer the other 21 missing children. Screen. Um, and this went national and international because it was such an amazing find. The people of this island going into ancient times were thought to be powerful shamans who worshipped a god. There's also a pantheon of lesser deities 
And the island was home to the great temple of this religion, which was known as Yuvar, and located in the island's isthmus, which is basically where the two islands join together. This temple served as the sacred location where important ceremonies of the greater tribe were held. Other native peoples throughout the region held the island's shamans in the highest regard, considered to be sorcerers with the power to talk to the ocean and to calm waves during ocean crossings. religious aspect um, a lot of natives believe in the creator or the great sky being um, but one of the ones that they were most fond of here on the island was the god Chinichnich, who was a god of fire and with fire fire usually attributes life and, and other things like that um, I don't know too not too much about his cult or what he was generally about but the natives here on the island worship them probably more than the other gods uh, in their stories they were believed also to live for 200 to 300 years old some of the other indications to do with the shamanic practice are very interesting because it's extreme age there's uh, the Tongvu people who are still on this island. We, there were about nine left. We met one gentleman here, Mason, who's told us some very interesting stories. Um, and on that northern part of the island, beyond the isthmus, towards the land's end area, they call it, like in England, um, is where the so-called white giants with beards lived, who were very tall. And it's known that there could have been two tribes on the island, the white tribe and the Tongvu or the, um, the other you know, ancestors of these people. So this is a really intriguing possibility. These were high-level sorcerers and the traits we find all over the country, all over the world, relating to these amazing giant people. Uh, I was speaking to my grandmother um, about the giants and currently to this day not a lot of people like to talk about it. Um, it's too much of um, a controversial subject but back when my grandmother was growing up here on the island it was a well-known fact that native that there were very tall light-skinned people living here on the island and then slowly throughout the years people just uh, stopped talking about it. Um, these giants, from what my, I've learned from my tribe, have lived here on the island for a very long time and probably disappeared around 300 years before Juan Cabrillo got here in 1542. Um, there could have been why some they, mixing and mingle between these giants and the natives here on the island. Um, they were known to be, um, the Tongvin here on the island were known to be a little bit taller, fairer skinned. Um, having full-on beards, either black or red, and, and very light eyes. What have we got here? So it is a history, uh, operation, and construction of the Tiat or Tomal. Tiats are small boats that the Tongvins used to ferry them across um, the channel over here. And uh, there's an excerpt in here from a Father Rubio Franciscan, um, in an expedition here to California in 1769. Uh, he says of the Chumash, but the Tongans were also considered Chumash for, for some reason. So uh, taller, handsomer, livelier than other Indians we had met, living in better organized villages, dark hair, red hair, many were fair-skinned. 
I have no idea where the where the red hair comes from. Um, it could have been an attribute from the other Native tall white talk people about who used hair. to live here on the Tons. island. Uh, a lot of other people say it's from the Spaniards who uh, got here, but those kind of characteristics, the red and black hair, um, are not really characteristics of Spanish people. Uh, they're usually more blonde and brown hair. Um, and then uh, one of the history teachers here on the island used to joke how the Vikings found the North American passage and came here to the island, and that's why uh, the natives were so different looking from from everybody else. I wouldn't say that the Tongvins were also giants since they mainly inhabited the mainland. Um, there could quite possibly have been intermingling between these very tall people who were living here before the Tongvin got here. Um, since there's a lot of explanation and a lot of talking about the Tongvins being a, a here on the island being a little bit taller and fair skinned and having the beards of black and, and red hair because facial hair for Native Americans is basically non-existent unless you're mixed with Spanish or Mexican heritage. Why we're here really is because we managed to get access to some of Ralph Glidden's records that were found in 2013 by the then curator of the museum. And within that were photos of what looked like giant skeletons. And there's one that Elaine Mazzurli analyzed. And it was over eight foot tall, maybe even up to nine feet in, in, in some, some um, you know, possible measurement uh, calculations. Uh, but there are reports of between seven and, and skeletons going up to nine foot two or nine foot four on the island. And so we do have, you know, evidence here of a race of giants living here. And when I spoke to our friend Mason, who's part of the Tongva tribe, who were the inhabitants of the island, they recount stories of these great people, these so-called fair-skinned, bearded almost like gods living on the island northern area um and they were the ones who um were recorded here even in the 1500s and even there's ancestry that comes from them to the present day so it's really intriguing and behind me here we have this account of so-called sacred ceremonial yeah. area around the isthmus i.e yeah. area of two harbors where it's one of the ports of uh, catalina and this area here could be what father torquemada was talking about in the 15 1600s when they visited here and they described this two mile wild level prairie with these huge stones facing the midday sun in a circular fashion suggesting a stone circle now we have made some inquiries about this potential stone circle but no one really knows anything about it uh they know this there was many ceremonial areas here and we know there's an area where many of the bones and skeletons were repatriated a few years ago um and so you know there's a lot going on here on this just on this island alone and that doesn't include the other islands we have san miguel santa rosa san clemente san nicholas where we know over seven foot up to nine foot and ten foot 
skeletons have been unearthed. I want to join that. Um, we even have wow. some dating that goes back of some of these large skeletons on Santa Rosa to over 7,000 years ago. And obviously we have Arlington Springs Man, Woman, um, which was something Phil Orr at Santa Barbara Museum was involved in the excavation of. Um, and and that proves extremely ancient dating, going back to almost 10,000 years on these islands. Uh, so the Tongvins got here to Catalina Island around 8700 BC, about 10,000 years ago. Uh, and they were here until around the 1820s or the 1840s. Um, the San Gabriel Mission recorded um, one of the last baptisms of a native from this island. And then after that, there was no more. Uh, and then we finally came back in 1989 when my mother moved back here to the island. So all of the Channel Islands were inhabited by native groups. The Tongvin were the primary ones here on the island, but the islands around us, such as San, Santa, um, San Clemente, uh, San Nicolas, those were all um, inhabited by the Chumash tribe. Um, the Chumash tribes are cousins to the Tongva and the Pechanga tribe. Um, I don't know too much of their history or their folklore, but it seems that this island was the only one that had people who were unique, very, very tall, very white giants of sorts. The Green Door, not a lot of people know about it here in town, usually the older generation. It's more of an urban legend. Um, only about maybe four or five people have ever seen it, and it's only been spotted about three different times. Um, and the last one was back in the 70s. Uh, so out at Toyon Bay, um, a group of young people, they had spotted a green door in the canyon side out at a place called Toyon Bay. Um, and they said that they felt connected and drawn to it, so they kept on moving closer. And then the green door opened, and they looked in, and they saw that it was just this black abyss. Um, finally, they got scared enough where they were able just to run away from the green door. Uh, people say, the people who have seen it said it looks just like a regular door that's green in color. And it's usually um, in the canyon side or in a mountainside or it's what? floating a couple feet off the ground. Holy shit, there's a uh, And some people have actually speculated who know about the giants who lived here on the island that maybe the giants had came through that green door at one point or time. Maybe when they went back to it. And then the green door opened and they looked in and they saw that it was just a group of young people. They had spotted a green door in the canyon side out at a place called Toyon Bay. Um, and they said that they felt connected and drawn to it. So they kept on moving closer. And then the green door opened and they looked in and they saw that it was just this black abyss. Um, finally, they got scared enough where they were able just to run away from the green door. Uh, people say the people who have seen it said it looks just like a regular door that's green in color and it's usually um, in the canyon side or in a mountainside or it's floating a couple feet off the ground uh, and some people have actually speculated who know about the giants who lived here on the island that maybe the giants had came through that green door at one point or time so this this is the controversial thing jim this is like the Who's asked me how many followers do I want? What was that? Anyway, somebody asked me how many followers do I want.
the giants of Catalina Island prehistoric mysteries on California's Channel Islands. Is that on Facebook that just happened? I guess not. Okay. Um. Okay, let's see here. Rapper Lisa. Let's see, would you like to get more 10K plus followers on your Instagram and also getting your YouTube channel subscribed? 2K guaranteed results. Oh, cool. 10% real followers with lifetime guarantee. Pretty good pitch. Pretty good pitch! Exclamation point. Smiley face. Obviously, the more the merrier, comma. But 10K for starters sounds good to me. It's from Rapper Lisa. Okay. Back to this really interesting show about giants on Oh shit! What happened to it? Oh my god! Hundred percent real followers with lifetime guarantee. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. I can't, a uh, bunch of those messages failed to send. Like Instagram's not letting me send shit. Sunrise Harlem. The sunrise, all the sunrise I couldn't do a PayPal or some angry chickens okay <laughs> top 10 celebrities will never work in Hollywood again there's a wild new hair growth method that works incredibly there's a well wild and now the world is yeah. talking about it if you suffer from hair loss receding thinning or bald spots you have to see this hair loss has nothing to do with your age genes or lifestyle but instead with
Starting off this list at number 10, we have Amanda Bynes. The actress that starred in classic teen movies like Easy A, She's the Man, and Hairspray quit acting at the young age of 24. The decision to quit acting actually came from her personal struggle with her appearance. Amanda did not enjoy watching herself on the big screen and decided to quit acting altogether because of it. After appearing in the film Easy A, her role was met with raves of positive reviews, yet this was the moment that Amanda decided she was going to quit for good. The former actress states that watching herself in that film changed her perception on things of herself and ultimately led to the decision to retire. That being said, the actress is still hopeful for the future of beginning to start acting again after her decade-long hiatus. However, we have also seen a lot of things in the news, obviously with the law, her mental health, so... We really won't know. I hope she comes back. She's honestly one of my all-time favorites. Yes. Okay. That's all. I'm just excited because I hope she comes back one day. Moving on to our ninth spot, we have the infamous John Travolta. John was one of Hollywood's biggest mm -hmm. stars back in the day, but we haven't seen him star in any films recently. Let's be honest. The actor seemed to have faded out after some roles that didn't get the public's attention. The now retired actor pronounced his time in Hollywood is over after his wife lost her battle to cancer. John stated that he would be taking time off for his children and to properly grieve, as he should. And a single dad now, Travolta decided to dedicate his time to raising and supporting his kids and left the spotlight to fill this role and I give him full props for doing that he had a very long successful career guys how old is he now anyway <laughs> I feel like he's up there no I'm not trying to call him old but like he's had a long career filling the eighth role on this list is Cameron Diaz in the early 2000s, Cameron's career was at its peak. She helped anchor franchises like Charlie's Angels and Shrek, while simultaneously featuring in some of the biggest films at the time. Honestly, during that time, she was appearing in every single movie. Like, she was everywhere. She ended up starring in films that were flops in the box office, and the actress hasn't been able to find a remarkable role in a while. Let's be honest. Her 25-year-long acting career came to a close when she officially stayed that she will be retiring from the big screen, which was very disappointing for fans like me. She ultimately made the decision because she wanted to focus more on herself, because when acting, she was unable to dedicate that kind of time to herself. Also, if you want a live update, she's now a mom. She's also married, and she has her own wine that just came out recently. I saw it online. So uh, she's still doing things, just off the screen. Swiping through the ranks, we get to our seventh spot with well-known actor and comedian Adam Sandler. The actor who is famously known for his funny guy persona, hence the comedian part, has claimed to be one of the most overpaid actors. Adam used to be a comedic leading man in many movie hits, but with time, everyone seemed to just be done with him in movies, I feel. His more no, recent films have been claimed funny. by critics to be historically terrible, which mm -hmm. definitely has not helped his acting career by any means. Over time, Adam's fans seem to grow up and out of finding his type of comedy funny. The actor's roles were seen as very repetitive, and he hasn't stepped out of his comfort zone when it comes to picking new roles. Additionally, his hate for the press, social media, and interviews has also kept his name out of the spotlight, which definitely didn't help his career in acting. With Adam's comedy being overdone, not seeing him in fresh roles and Adam's name out of the media, it ultimately led to the downfall of his acting career. With 55 years of acting under his belt, Adam decided to retire for good. This comes from Adam's statement.
that he doesn't find being an actor fun anymore. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Although, let's be honest, his movie roles were, were very repetitive. Continuing down the list number six, we have Brendan Fraser. Like most celebrities on this list, Brendan's career skyrocketed in the early 2000s, and he found himself as a major leading man in many films. That being said, his roles would slowly decline, and several films that he would star in would miss the mark in Hollywood. Additionally, he was faced with time out of the spotlight to recover from multiple surgeries due to him getting hurt while working on set and doing his own stunts. This recovery would cover a seven-year period, causing the roles for him to be able to take to be very limited. The actor would also later reveal that while working, he was assaulted, and this incident would deeply affect the actor. And in the end, this incident was the deciding factor for the actor to retire from acting for good and give up his very high-profile lifestyle. Halfway through, we have Mike Myers. The actor and comedian has starred in numerous top films, including Austin Powers, Wayne World, and the Shrek franchise. The star's rise to fame came from his involvement in Saturday Night Live and seemingly continued going upwards from there. Though former colleagues of Myers have come forward to say that he was a diva on set and a nightmare to work with. This type of temperamental behavior definitely did not help his case as the leading man in Hollywood, but it definitely was not the only factor that influenced his acting decline. Myers would be featured in multiple films that were wildly unsuccessful. <laughs> not to mention the lawsuits against him from Universal Studios wildly unsuccessful, against citing issues with term. his script. From there, Mike Myers' place in Hollywood has seemed to come to a close for the multiple issues of citing, being a diva on set, and just not taking on the right wolf. He's had some, what's the word, flops, movie flops. I forget the last one I'm thinking of. It was a romantic comedy. Ah, the guru one, yes. Yeah, that bombed big time. Taking the number four spot is notorious actress Katherine Heigl. The actress used to be sought after and filled many major movie roles, but those times have ended. This is because many who have worked directly with Katherine have claimed that she is a nightmare to deal with on set. She would apparently always have wardrobe issues, wouldn't get out of the trailer, questioned her script, and ultimately would cost extra time every single day of shooting for how difficult she was. Some even confessed that she was so rude to them that she would swear at the people working alongside her and caused drama on set. Additionally, she slammed her role in Grey's Anatomy for not liking the writing and wanted out of her contract. After her reputation turned sour, Catherine tried desperately to return to Grey's Anatomy but was turned down by the showrunners for how rude she was and they weren't going to put up with it, basically. Catherine's reputation took a turn for the worst and despite her talent for acting, Hollywood will not consider her for any big roles anymore for her unwanted behavior. Getting to our third spot, we have the teenage heartthrob, Taylor Lautner. Taylor sought instant stardom for his role in the Twilight franchise, as the Twilight series was a global phenomenon that turned all of its actors into major stars. Throughout the years that the Twilight series would continue, Lautner was kept afloat in Hollywood because of the movie. Though once the series was over, the actor had a difficult time finding a place in the industry. In an interview, the actor stated that he felt restricted after the Twilight series and wanted to try something new. Though he felt his acting abilities were defined by Twilight and would never be able to move past it. And Taylor would eventually be unable to find his name in any other successful films and would turn to TV roles to fulfill his acting career. Honestly, I literally have not seen him since Twilight and then he did that romantic comedy with Taylor Swift really weird. Uh, I haven't seen him in anything. Maybe I don't watch enough TV though. You guys tell me. Is he on TV? Moving up the rankings, number two, we have Shy. 
Did you know? Half a teaspoon burns about 728% faster. Before you go to bed tonight... Shia LaBeouf. Now, this one's kind of a debate, because some people think he'll make a comeback, and some people think he won't. Let's dig into it, though. The promising young actor seemed to be just getting his foot in the door with acting after moving from a Disney star to fulfill his leading role in the Transformers series. Though after years in the spotlight, the actor's ego began to get the better of him when his off-screen behaviors became a liability. As Shia would also be known in the industry to be difficult to work with and would occasionally be considered off-putting by his colleagues. Colleagues, not to mention all the legal issues. As well, during this time, the actor's name would be all over controversial headlines for inflicting emotional distress, assault, dangerously driving, and animal cruelty. Not to mention the multiple sexual offenses that he would be sued for. This was more recently. This shocking behavior would not go unnoticed in the industry, as he would find it a lot harder to secure roles these days. The Transformers franchise would even go so far to replace him and his leading roles in the series. Eventually, though, everyone at this point in time has basically blacklisted him from Hollywood. So I'm interested to see if he's going to be welcomed back. And finally, taking your number one spot is Tobey Maguire. The actor is best known for his iconic portrayal in the original Spider-Man films, but we haven't seen him prosper afterwards despite the success of the Spider-Man movies. With the final film in the Spider-Man trilogy being considered lackluster and the worst film out of all of them, this did not set up Tobey Maguire to succeed. Therefore, Toby would have a difficult time finding roles after the Spider-Man franchise. It also didn't help that he was notorious for being picky when it came to his roles. The actor has confessed that he is very selective when it comes to the roles he takes on and has trouble finding projects that he actually wants to work on. Also, Toby is known for having issues on set with multiple co-stars, including James Franco, who could never see eye to eye with him. Over the years of not being able to find success in acting, Toby would move towards producing instead this move towards producing instead of acting seemed like a good idea because toby was known for his introverted personality and struggle in the spotlight but his producing career fell short with his projects not succeeding in the box office with toby's acting career being at its height during the spider-man era and not being able to succeed outside of this franchise the reboot starring andrew garfield and now tom holland meant the end of his career in many ways taking the first spot on the countdown at number 10 is Frankie Muniz. You may remember him as the title character in Malcolm in the Middle, though Frankie has played in many roles throughout his acting career. The child star actor even scored himself an Emmy and Golden Globe nomination for his TV success. That being said, though, in 2001, at the age of 16, Frankie became very interested in racing cars. So he decided to put his acting on pause for the time being to focus on his newfound love for racing, and he became a full time race driver. A lot of people don't know that. If that was not shocking enough, in 2009, Frankie suffered from multiple injuries from a crash that forced him to stop racing and he was unable to return to the big screen at that point. And he kind of just chose not to. As of now, in 2021, the former actor owns his own specialty shop with his wife and he is just focusing his time on his wife and their new family. I forgot about him, but he was iconic. Big fat liar, anyone? Continuing along to our next spot on this countdown at number nine is Kevin Jonas. The actor and musician is best known for his time spent at Disney with him and his three brothers, the Jonas Brothers, who had their own TV series at one point, and they still perform tours now. With the brothers.
brothers moving and starting a new career outside of Disney and the band, they all seem to go down their own path. Joe Jonas would continue to act and form a new band called DNCE, and Nick Jonas would also continue I'm to I'm in the music, middle of something right now. I'll do it career. later. A lot of people wondered where Kevin went. Kevin's other two brothers continued to make their way. I'm in the middle of something right now. I'll do it later this afternoon. In the middle. Busy. RN. Later on. This. PM after I check you out. Check ya, check ya out. Check it out, check it out. In the music and acting industry, but Kevin didn't feel the same need to. Kevin, being the eldest brother, was more focused on his family and decided that leaving the spotlight would be best for him at that time. And so he made his way to immerse himself in development and real estate business. He's also a dad and a husband, and his little girls are really freaking cute. Moving on, holding the eighth spot is the 80s teenage heartthrob Michael Schofling. The actor took up many roles in the 80s, but is best known for starring in the classic 16 Candles. His role in 16 Candles set him up to be the next most famous leading man in Hollywood, but that was not the case. After appearing in eight movies after 16 Candles, Michael called it quits. The former actor called it quits so suddenly, mostly for the fact that he just wasn't enjoying it, plus the lack of roles that were there for him during that time. With little roles that he thought suited him, it was an easy decision to retire as there were many other factors that have led him towards that decision. He revealed that he just grew bored in the film industry and knew it wasn't for him. From there, the retired actor became a carpenter and now spends his time prioritizing his family and his kids. I guess his family is his kids, but anyways. Quickly going to the next spot at number seven, we have Gene Hackman. The actor spent most of his life in the spotlight as his career in acting started in the 60s. Gene has made a name for himself by starring in around 80 movies featuring classics such as Bonnie and Clyde. His last role was in 2004, but he has since officially retired from acting and he announced that back in 2008. The retired actor stated his leave from the spotlight was due to health conditions as he felt very fatigued in the industry. As he was in his 70s at the time, the actor said that he was advised by doctors to not continue to act or put himself under any stress. 
exploring other routes to spend his time. He is now a historical fiction author with several books titled to his name. With his time on the big screen coming to an end, at the age now of 91, the former actor continues to give his fans something to look forward to with his books. Swiftly moving down the countdown at number six, we have Nikki Blonsky. The actress debuted her acting career when she starred in Hairspray. The cult classic film Hairspray seemingly set Nikki up for success in the industry as it was wildly praised. Honestly, one of my favorites. Though the opposite seemed to happen as Nikki wasn't able to secure any remarkable roles since her debut in that movie. She confessed that she didn't purposely leave Hollywood, but that it felt as if Hollywood left her. The actress has dreamt to be a successful full-time actor since she was a kid, but the industry just seemed to have other plans. <laughs> Nikki felt as if she got typecasted in her character in Hairspray as she was a plus-size actor. Her colleagues, Zac Efron, Brittany Snow, and John Travolta all had projects lined up after filming Hairspray, but Nikki was just not as fortunate. Moving on from acting because of the lack of opportunities that she faced, she got her cosmetology license and is now a hairstylist and makeup artist. But she has made it clear that her work as a hairstylist is just temporary until she's able to just make her way back into acting. I feel for her. So she didn't really Taking fit halfway that. mark at number five is the former Disney star actor Dylan Sprouse. Now, don't get him confused with his twin brother Cole Sprouse, as Cole has actually starred in multiple movies and TV shows, including the very familiar Netflix show Riverdale. Dylan and Cole won over millions of fans with their Disney show The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, but after the show came to a close, Cole seemed to continue his career in acting, though Dylan had other plans. Dylan has stated that he has no interest in being on TV and that his brother Cole has a very hard job that he just wouldn't be happy doing. Dylan has also starred in one movie since his Disney star life, but besides that, the former actor decided to dedicate himself to university. Right. Mm. Checking out rapper Lisa. She's got 11K followers. Requested. If this account is private, 12 posts. 21 year old rapper. <laughs> She's only got 12 posts. I saw her somewhere. Got 11k followers. I'm surprised she didn't have more. New profile. This account is private. I don't know. It could be a scam.
How can you guarantee? How can you guarantee these things? Question mark. Jay. Uh, sounds cool, but I don't know if I can trust you. Sounds cool, but <clears throat> just guaranteeing um, 10k followers on my Instagram account. Subscribe 2K, guaranteed result. Three thousand people send it to, in a private message to three thousand people. Now how do I know that uh, it's not a scam? I can't see any of the 12 posts that you had on your private account, comma, to know if this is legit. Private account, comma. Ah, be nice if that was legit. If you don't satisfy, fuck is she from? Nigerian. Is 
who says, if you don't satisfy with my results tonight, I will refund your money. You'll start getting results in one to two hours. Hmm. Should I give it a shot? 50-50. 50-50 chances. 50 dollars. Just promising. Ten K followers on my Instagram account and two K followers um So you are promising ten K followers on my Instagram account and two K followers. My YouTube account mm, channel, comma, what comma within 24 hours? Question mark, or I, I get a refund? Question mark. I mean, if, if she can actually give me that in 24 hours, I'd say shit, it's worth it. Whoa. Yes. Hmm. How many times have you done this? How many times have you done this? Comma, how many customers do you have? Comma, have you dealt with? since nine years okay what's your native language chica come on here she's honest it's not fucking English Hmm. Okay. Both in a chat. 
You promise this is not a freaking scam? Question mark. You swear, comma, and you're actually going to help me do this? Question mark. Send me your YouTube channel link and SS a screenshot of payment as soon as possible, then I start my work on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking give it the benefit of the gout 50 50 chance. Guaranteed scissor in native languages. English might be alive. Okay, now YouTube channel link. YouTube. channel um, share copy link update my YouTube channel okay, uh. yeah mm -hmm. and you have this See what's your cash app name? What's your cash app name? Ooh. 
Walk, 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 walk. Okay, here goes, man. Oops. Let's see if uh, this girl's a jet. Cash ab. Fairy dollar. Okay, fifty dollar. Huh? I have 43 subscribers. Okay, so, whoops. It's a dollar sign Rimpy. Seventy-two PR 